When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series. Joining you Monday to Friday at 9.30am UK time. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't done so already, make sure you drop a like on the like button. I don't know what else you would drop it on, really. The video, I suppose you could say. And if you're new to the channel, subscribe as well. I'm joined by Bailey. How you doing, mate? You good? I'm good as always. Happy Friday, everybody. How are you, TC? Yeah, not bad. Happy that it's Friday. Uh, Saturday off for me. Uh, you'll be working away, uh, but you, at least you get a game day off. So, you know, you can enjoy the game uh, in peace. But uh, yeah, look, it's uh, it's interesting time to be not just an Arsenal fan, but a football fan, because there's a lot of stuff going on at the world of football at the moment and rumours of Super Leagues and Champions League reforms. And, and that's where we're going to kick off today's discussion as well. And it was a, not announced yesterday, but there's rumours filtering through that uh, the Juventus chairman, Agnelli, is, is set to kind of announce the new plans to revive the Super League. Um I, when I saw this, I wasn't surprised. I've been kind of waiting for this to happen. Um, I've been waiting for them to, to try and restart it. It never went away, uh, absolutely. Um, so when you when you think about a Super League coming back, how does it make you feel as a football fan? I'm just like, oh, again, after all the drama, the trauma, the, the disappointment, the anger of last April, just for it to come back less than a year later, is worrying. It shows that people in the people in the position of power don't really care about what the fans think you saw the mm. outrage so how has it been able to come back so soon thinking that it won't happen again it's like okay first time second time we'll let it slide this time fans are like okay yeah we're on board what's going to change i don't understand it's almost like they don't know anything about the fans like it's almost like they don't care about what fans think why why wouldn't they care? I, I, there's no reason for them. Oh, wait. No, the, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the reason. Um, but no, it's obviously it's frustrating. But there's also at the same time Champions League reform uh, happening. Uh, and that was announced yesterday fully like the, the program. 24-25 is, is when it's going to be starting. Group stages are no more. Group stages will be gone as of that point. Uh, and instead, it will be a 36-team league table in which you'll play five home and five away games. Fixtures will be decided based upon a seeding uh, of the sides and then a draw on historical merit is how teams will be seeded, so how successful you've been in the European competition. So Arsenal will be 36th uh, in, the, in the table. In the table. In it. Um, which, you know, I, I talked about this yesterday. I'm more on board with it than I am, obviously, the Super League. Um, because, you know, I always feel like a competition should be organised by an independent party, despite, I said party as if I'm so used to saying that, um, despite the fact, obviously, UEFA have got their associated issues that we're all very much well aware of. But it's better for me than the clubs like Juventus and Real Madrid being in charge of it. Uh, and I, to be honest, the group stage, I find, does get a bit tedious in the Champions League and the Europa League. I feel like it's, you know, it's not, 
it's not exciting. There's games which are, are quite dead at times. And I feel like if you have a 36-team league table, which then goes into the normal knockout stages after Christmas, that lends itself more to more entertainment and more, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where the, jeopardy, I suppose, in every single fixture. There's always going to be some kind of ramification, especially when teams ninth to 24th will be in a playoff for the last 16. So as long as you're not in that bottom 12, you're moving forwards and teams in the bottom 12. I imagine there'll only be a few points separating, say, 24th place from 36. So, you know, there's opportunities there, Bailey, for for really high-end games all the way through that league part of the competition. I agree, but I, I disagree at the same time. I know we'll be doing this in written form. Uh, I don't know mm. when it'll be released, so watch out for that, guys. But for me, I'm a major fan of the NBA and I've seen their regular season. This is what it is. This is the UEFA competition has been Americanized. It's literally exactly the same. It goes into a playoff system, little a league table into a playoff system. And the regular season, it's, it's boring. If we're being honest, it's boring because teams don't take it seriously enough. They know they can lose a few games and still qualify. The big games, they become diluted. They become too samey. And it doesn't get serious until the knockout competition, aka in NBA, the playoffs. It's almost teams use it as friendlies. They use it as, as games to see to test certain stuff, to test it. Can they play this player? Can they do this? And it'll be, it won't be taken as serious. And Don't we do that, though, with rotation? Like, we yeah, rotate the kids in. Yeah, the group, is, like you think about the last game or yeah, two games, we do I feel that. Like that's your, your last two games. I feel like in the Champions League, that you you lose one game, you can be in trouble. You can get knocked out. You saw Barcelona sure. getting knocked out uh, this season, British Dortmund. In this new system, you, they're not going to get knocked out. It's almost impossible. They're not going to get be one of the 20, uh, one of the 12 teams out of 24, 36, sorry, to get knocked out. It's just not going to happen. So teams will know, okay, we've got to take this seriously. And it might actually get a bit boring because they already know they're through. They have four extra games. They're going to be playing 10 games. So they have four extra games to actually progress into the knockout stages. Mm. So they can lose half of those games and still get through. So I just feel like it will kill the it will kill the the competitiveness of the competition. I think as well when I think why the Champions League is so, is so exciting as well is because we don't always see, for example, Real Madrid first Bayern Munich. We have to wait until the semi final. Just one of those two of those games can make it so special. But if you're seeing more of those games in the group stage and then in the playoff system, it might get a bit boring. And that's how it is with the NBA. I think you get to the playoffs and that's when the real competition starts. It feels like the regular season is like another preseason, like a prolonged preseason until the regular season. I'm just thinking right now, one of the best teams in the NBA, the LA Lakers, they're in the, they're in the, I think they're the equivalent to Champions League. They'll be 12th place. I mean, after 12th place, so they'll have to mm. go into the playoff system. But they're one of the best teams and I know they're fine with that because they'll get through that. I hope the same the same doesn't happen for the for the uh, foot for in the football. I feel like football is more unpredictable though. Do you not feel than than basketball? No, you'll be surprised. It is. Yeah, I've been to Madison enough. Square Garden. I've fair seen the enough. Knicks. They're bad. They were bad. No, yeah. no, yeah. bad. <laughs> I was told they'd be bad. bad. Yeah, and they were bad. I know that's not <laughs> representing the whole. No, it's sport. true. It's true. Football is um, absolutely more unpredictable, but the system will make it predictable. If that makes sense, the system will make games very boring. They'll make game. They'll make, for example. Real Madrid and Bayern Munich not take the Champions League seriously until after Christmas, which you don't want. You mm. want to see them fighting to get through. Fair enough, you're right about the last two games of the group stage can be a bit dull if they're already through, but they've had to fight to get those two games anyway. You saw in the group stage this year, Manchester City, PSG, and who else did they have in their group? I know that group was quite hotly contested. I'll be Leipzig, think. was it? I'll be oh, Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, it was Leipzig. Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. was so last that was, season. Sporting? Was this season. Yeah. No, I see you playing in round 16. I'm pretty sure it was Leipzig because I remember Walker, Kyle Walker getting sent off in at the stadium. But yeah, yeah, even a group like that, for example, every game 
it was competitive because you lose one game and you're in trouble with this new system. I'm just worried you lose one game. That's fine. That's fine. We've got nine more to, to get through. That's my biggest worry. Uh, interesting in the chat box, Afsar asking, do we know how the Europa League will change? Mm. I'm tr- I've been trying to find any information on the Europa League. Um, and so here we go. Slot, so slot one of the additional places will go to the club ranked third in the championship of the associated fifth position in the UEFA National Association. I don't know what league that is. Slot two, another will be awarded to the domestic champion by extending from four to five the number of clubs qualifying via the so-called champion's path. Um, so it says that uh, one of the domestic leagues will be extended from top four to top five. So you could see fifth place in the Premier League getting into the Champions League, possibly. Um, Slots three and four are awarded to the two clubs with the highest club coefficients that have not qualified automatically. That's a bit... That seems a bit dodgy, did it? You know what I mean? That seems like it's going to... If, say, Real Madrid finished outside the Champions League qualification places, they still get in? Mm, I don't like that. I don't like that. Um, Champions League qualification phase for the Europa League and the Europa Conference League due to start in the 2021-2022 season. It doesn't it doesn't say anything about... Uh, oh, hold on. So will UEFA's other club competitions adopt the same format? Yes. In addition to the Champions League, both the Europa League and the all-new Europa Conference League due to kick off in the 2021-22 season will also evolve to replace their group stage with a single league. So the Europa League and the Conference League will also take on this setting. So that's interesting. Um, it's... Look... That, this is all what was announced in May 25th of 2021. So this is when they first announced it. So unless that's since changed, it does look like the Europa League and the Conference League will also um, take on this league round-robin format. I, look, <laughs> we know that the Champions League is a evolution of the old European Cup. The European Cup was just the league champions. It was just knockout. Yeah. Um, and... We people don't like change. We know that. Um, and even though we've got very used to this current group stage and then the the knockout phases, all that's the real changes here is the group stage ch- changing to the league. The issue I have mainly with this is is how those four other places are awarded. And I feel like it removes, say, the jeopardy of a team like Real Madrid or Barcelona finishing outside of their relative Champions League qualification spots. If the top five suddenly become the Champions League in the Premier League, and you would imagine with the Premier League being the highest coefficient league yeah. uh, in the world, it would be top five rather than top four. You know, whilst that makes it a little bit easier for Arsenal, it also makes it easier for Spurs. I don't like that. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't kills, like that. It's also competitiveness of the league as well. I think top four is a big is a big uh, statement for the Premier League. I feel like that's a big, mm. big segment. You've got, you've got the league title, you've got top four, and you've got relegation. I feel like that will... That almost like just like removes it, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but uh, there's nothing we can do as fans, it seems, to change the Champions League reform. What we do have more power over is the European Super League if it does come about, and we proved that last year uh, with the protests, of course. So if it does come about again, there is a threat of it happening. We know that we as fans have the power to be able to change it. So we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Uh, other topics that I want to move on to is this interesting story that Arsenal are looking at more South American players. Now, Edu's been at the club since, I want to say, 2019, uh, the summer in which we brought in Nicolas Pepe and Kieran Tierney and Gabriel Martinelli. He wasn't really heavily involved with those transfers, but he was at the club. And since that point, Bailey, we've not really seen Arsenal dip into the South American market. Yes, we've bought Martinelli, but Edu wasn't really involved in that deal. We've bought Brazilian players like Luis and Willian and Gabriel Magalhaes, but he wasn't, again, 
um, looking at bringing in players from Brazil. We brought Pablo Marie, but again, that's not really those young talents. He was someone that impressed at Flamengo and was in his mid-20s and we needed centre-back support. So do you think that you've, one, been surprised how little we've done in the South American market? And two, does this move with links to the likes of Laura, I think his name is, uh, playing in Argentina? And I'm uh, sorry, I think he's Peruvian international. Uh, and then you've got, I think, Sav Savio is the Brazilian yeah. winger's name that we're also being linked to. Does, it, does that give you any kind of excitement that we're looking at these young South American talents? Yeah, I'm guessing, I guess I can, if I'm right in saying this, I can give Eddie like leeway because um, I know there's work permit issues now, especially with Brexit, mm. etc. So maybe it's harder oh, the to... The word. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the, the scary B word. In case it's harder to bring players in and actually secure them a, a work permit. Maybe that's why Eddie has steered away from mm. doing that. But because he's worked for Brazil, the Brazilian national team, I'm surprised he hasn't dipped to that market more. I know we're saying people like William, David Luiz and stuff like that. But maybe standing on Earth Germs, we saw Manchester City have succeeded by by delving into that market of Gabriel Jesus now they sign of course Julian Alvarez so I'm surprised Edu hasn't really dipped into that market and hopefully now he's starting to do that yeah yeah Paul says here since leaving the EU buying players from North and South America is easier than when we were in the EU as less hoops to jump through um it's also then harder to buy young players from within the EU because uh, now there's more hoops yeah. to jump through. So it's a give and take. Um, and of course, we've seen Arsenal go for Matt Turner in the MLS, Austin Trusty, of course, too. So there is clearly this push to, to look to the North and South American markets at Arsenal. The interesting thing about Savio is that Manchester City looked almost certain to be the club to be signing him. I think it was a fee of around five, six million euros. Uh, Manchester City, we know, have got their links with plenty of clubs in South America. They've got their own City Football Group uh, members that are in South America as well. Um, do you think that this is this would be a bit of a statement then to kind of beat Man City to the signing of this young, talented winger? I think beating Manchester City to any any signing is a statement signing because Man City mm. are the almost the gods of English football. So it would definitely be a statement, but I don't know if it's it's not really a big name. I think it would have to be a big name player, for example, like Erling Haaland or someone like that. Then that would be the real statement because, yeah, Man City are hotly chasing him. But this will still be a good, it's a good place to start. It's a good, okay, we start here, start small and then hopefully beat Manchester City to bigger signings in the future. Yeah, I think that if we look at Manchester City and what they've done in the past, they brought in the likes of Keiki, uh, Gabriel Jesus, of course, who's now being linked with the move to Arsenal, actually. Well, well not so linked, but being recommended by Rio Ferdinand to, to sign for Arsenal. Um, it's it's an area that Arsenal do need to take more advantage of. We've been pretty, pretty good at bringing talented players through the Hayland Academy, but we've not really seen Arsenal, besides, say, Martinelli, go out and sign a really young 18-year-old talent that's then come through to to be brilliant. The young players that we've seen come through are your Iwobis and your Alex Oxlade-Chamberlains and I suppose Hector Bellerin as well that we signed from, yeah. from Barcelona at 16, Fabregas, of course, but we've not done it regularly. Um, and that would be interesting to see Arsenal try and do that again, especially with the need to, to strengthen the depth in Arsenal as well, and that needs to improve. Another link that dropped yesterday was the link to Noah Lang. Now, Arsenal fans would be very familiar with this name because we were linked to Noah Lang before Christmas. And again, Arsenal are being linked with these wide players, Bailey. Players that are, you know, not of a priority. Striker, central midfield, you look at those two positions as definitely the priority. But the wide positions, we're pretty well stocked. Gabriel Martinelli, Smith Rowe, yeah. uh, we've got Saka and Pepe and Reese Nelson to come back to. 
Uh, we know that Erdogan can play in a wide area if we need him to. Nuno Tavares was previously a winger, of course, before converting to a left-back. We are well-stocked. Um, Murray Hutchinson, of course, two Kido Taylor-Hart in the youth side. Uh, Joel Idaho, George Lewis. You can just continue to list off the names of players that we've got that can play in the, in the wide areas. So do you think that these types of links are a bit of a hint towards maybe Pepe's future lying elsewhere? It could be. It could be. I think Pepe, I feel like these last couple of months of Pepe could be the, the decider whether he stays or he, or he goes. I think the game against Wolves, he showed there what he can bring to the side. And I think towards the end of the season, his services will be needed and hopefully he can prove himself because I'm not the biggest fan of Noah Lang. I think there's better wingers to go for than Noah Lang. I think I saw him in the Champions League. I know he done well in the first game for Club Bruges against PSG, but it's just his aura about him. I don't think he will suit Arteta either from what I've been reading. Um, during his time at Ajax and why he left Ajax in the first place. So it wouldn't really make sense for Arteta to sign him because we know he doesn't like that type of player. Mm. Also, I don't think he was effective enough in the Champions League. I think there's better options to go for. I believe, is he still being caught around 30 million? Yes, I mean, upwards of that. It's getting upwards even higher. It's getting closer getting to higher. I think there's better options out there. If we are going for a winger, I think we need to mm. go explore different options because he's young, of course, and we really have that in Martinelli. Smith, as you said, all those players you mentioned as well. So, yeah. but does it, if it hints at Pepe's exit, I'm not sure he'll have to. I don't think he will sign a winger without a winger departing from the club. So, I think it has to. Yeah, I agree. I don't really see Arsenal or, or a need to spend that amount of money on a wide player. Like, I wrote a piece about Jeremy Pino the other day at Villarreal, and like he's quoted at something like 90 million euros, like 80 million euro buyout clauses up from the 30 that he was last year. And I can only see that happening if we move a player on. Like if we've got the money to spend, I understand it, but you've got Saka, you've got Martinelli, you've got Smith-Rowe. I feel like if you're going to add someone in, you want to add someone with potential, not necessarily like a... And whilst Noah Lang is still a young player, but for that amount of money, I'd be looking closer to the 20 and, and under for a, a burgeoning talent rather than an established kind of player or one of the highestly regarded wingers in the game. Uh, we're going to jump into the chat box and take some of your questions as well. So if you've got any, uh, do throw them in. Brady's Banana joining us saying, first time watching. Uh, someone mentioned you on the Highbury Squad channel. So now my morning Arsenal gossip void is filled. Nice one. Uh, thanks for joining us, mate. And thanks to Sophie from the Highbury Squad for recommending us. Much appreciate that, Sophie. Uh, Mark Sampson talking about Rio's advice to go and get Jesus. What are your thoughts on it? Do you think he would be the kind of player for our squad? What do you think? Yes, 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 and yes. Absolutely. Get Go off the fence, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off that fence. But yeah, bring Jesus in, definitely. I think he's got Premier League experience. He's worked under Arteta before. He's got the work rate necessary as well. I think he's be an excellent striker. Still young as well, so he's still got time to improve. I think it would be an excellent signing. As a second striker, I think we would need to bring in another striker though if we do sign Jesus. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that Jesus is, is not enough on his own. I think oh. we would need to go for a more physical striker like a Schick, for instance, yeah. uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Those types of forwards that have got a little bit more hold-up play to their game. But I like Jesus. I like his versatility. Again, maybe if you sign a player like Jesus, that covers a Pepe departure because he can play in a wide area. So, you know, there's the option for that. I, I don't... When I see tweets about it, what I often see in the replies is a lot of Arsenal fans writing him off, saying, no, not good enough. And you're thinking, if he's good enough to be playing and rotating in, in Pep Guardiola's Man City side. Like, I, to write him off, I think, is a little bit, you know, I don't want to go as far as saying arrogant about the Arsenal team, but he's a bit arrogant about the it Arsenal is, team, to is, be fair. So, uh, look, I think he's a very decent player. Um, Graham says, would Rafinha be a cheaper option? I don't think cheaper is the word. I think he'd be going for a significant amount from Leeds. But I like him. I mean, I've recommended him as a Pepe replacement, but again, it would cost us a significant amount of money, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, and, and Bakari Saka, they're literally similar players. Both left footed coming mm. from the right-hand side. I don't think Rafinha can play on the left. I've never seen him play on the left, so I think he's quite limited to the right wing. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring. I, I think he's a quality player, but I wouldn't bring him bring him in simply, simply sorry because of Bakari Saka. Uh, Marcus, our second Marcus. Uh, we're not going to call him Marcus A and Marcus B because that would mean relegating one of them. So we've just got Marcus <laughs> Shamrock in the chat with the new changes to European competitions and the fixture issue. How would you feel if the League Cup was changed to not include teams in Europe? I don't agree. I think we should keep it how it is. I think the League Cup. It's important. It's been there. It's tradition. It's part of tradition. As you said, we don't want to move to the Super League. So why do we want to move away from the League Cup? I think just keep the League Cup mm. where it is. I think you know what would league... happen though, don't you? You know that teams would just field all the kids. Yeah, like, yeah all the big would, teams would yeah. just field the kids. It would turn into another. Um, what's the trophy? The Johnston Paint Johnston Trophy. Paint trophy. Or it's yeah, now, yeah, I think yeah, it's Papa yeah. John's. Is it now? Papa John's um, Trophy. That's yeah. it. That's literally what it would turn into. It's a Premier League Papa John's Trophy. Although saying that, I feel like the Papa John's Trophy is the. Yeah, it's the one where they can put the under twenty. You you see the Premier League sides putting. Yeah. I think we went quite far, didn't we? We got to yeah, the quarterfinals. I think we were knocked out by Wigan. I want to say. I think we lost one nil. So yeah, and, we, and then I think Wigan are playing Sutton United in the in the uh, semi. So it's uh, it's a prestigious competition. This what it is. But no, <laughs> I, I get into a lot of argue, uh, debates with people about that competition because fans of, of teams in the lower leagues would say, look, it's degrading the competition because it's an opportunity for us to win silverware. But a Premier League youth side's not actually made the final in all the years that they've been involved yet. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for the younger, talented players of the top teams to get senior footballing experience. It's good for the grassroots. It's good for England. It's good for bringing through those youth players. So I don't think it, it, it degrades that competition at all, to be honest. And I think actually it's a, it makes the competition more interesting and brings in a lot more attention as well, which is always going to be good. Uh, Cass says, would like to see Arsenal promote from within if a replacement winger is required to replace Pepe. So we've got Reese Nelson. We've got Amari Hutchinson, as I've mentioned. Joel Idaho is showing yeah. some really good signs as well for the youth team just come up from the under 18s is now playing Marcelo Flores is another player that can yeah. play an attacking midfield role more of an attacking midfielder but can play wide has played wide so he's an interesting one to keep your eye on do you think that would be a better decision for Arsenal to promote from within than say investing in a wide play even if it was say a 20 million talent no absolutely I completely agree I think the wingers we have at the squad in the first team squad at the moment are good enough we don't need to improve on that so let them stay and then let the youngsters possibly come up and and learn from them and compete with them. I think that's the best way to go. As you said, we need to spend on, as Kaz said, so we need to spend on strikers and midfielders. We have much bigger priorities. And I think the winger, we ask one position where we are absolutely set and don't need to strengthen on that moment. Uh, rather anime says, are you completely trustful on Arteta and Edu's eye for talent, particularly strikers? Look, we don't know. Arteta's never signed a striker as Arsenal manager, so we don't. For we strikers, don't know. I like the summer business we did. Like yeah. six, six signings we made, I thought Very were good. really good signings. Absolutely, yeah, I agree with you. I think every opposition of every opposition has been good, so why not trust them? It should be. It will be interesting to see though who we do sign. Yeah, I think in the January, obviously, a lot of people are frustrated that we didn't bring anyone in. I don't think that's a lack of not being able to identify talent. I think there was just, we were pretty bereft of options. There were players that moved that we could have signed. Like, I always bring up Arta Cabral or Val Vekos, who went to Burnley, could have maybe offered us something. But the club have made the decision to not panic buy, to not invest when they don't necessarily want to be 100% sure about a player. And I'm fine with that because Arsenal have wasted so much money in the past on players that have not improved us. You look at the investment of the summer, all six of those players have improved us. Like Lacongra and Tavares have improved the depth of midfield and left back. 
Odegaard's been our most important player, in my opinion, this season, alongside Aaron Ramsdale, the goalkeeper we brought in. Tommy Asu's been a significant upgrade at right back, and Ben White's a significant upgrade on Rob Holding. So all of those six signings we made in the summer moved the team forwards, and we're feeling the benefits of that now, being in a top-four race this season. People want to talk about how Spurs and Man United aren't performing as well, but you still need to pick up more points, and we're way more better off than we were this time last season. So there is progression. We are moving in the right direction. So, yeah, I do have the the hope that we have the right eyes for talent. I mean, we were pushing, supposedly, for Dusan Vlaovic. Like, we couldn't get him, but that tells me the ambition is there to go after the right type of players and to bring in those transformative players to the club. Absolutely, yeah. No, I completely agree with you. So I, didn't, you said, I set you up really poorly. Yeah, I was, <laughs> and here's the question. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, but I do. I, I completely agree with you. I think the January chance when I did show the Athletic were reporting the, our striker transfer targets and I liked all of those, Jonathan David, Calvert-Lewin and uh, Alexander Isaac uh, uh, as alternatives to Flyovich. I think they're all quality signings. So they have got a knife for talent. You do, and also they're not rushing. They're not, they're not panicked by any of us, they said in January. So yeah, yeah. I trust them completely. Uh, last one from Mark, who says, do you see any future for Reese Nelson at Arsenal? He's still young and homegrown with potential, but feel that it is a really long shot that he gets a chance to play regularly in the team. Yeah, it depends. I don't know if you know how he's been doing at Feyenoord. I haven't been he's, I mean, he's got more into the side recently. Um, he, I'm just going to grab up his stats, but he struggled at the beginning because I think it's... Uh, uh, Arna Slot, who's the final coach, he wasn't convinced mm. by his fitness levels at the beginning, but he has recently got into it. He scored his first goal in the Conference League, I think, just before the turn of the new year. He's, he has been out injured, to be fair. Uh, he got he tested positive uh, and then got a knock, so he's missed the last two league games. But he was starting prior to that in the 4-1 win over uh, Nijmegen, uh, the 1-0 loss to Vitesse and the 3-0 win over Heerenvain. He started all of those games. Um, mm. But he's only got one goal and he's only got one assist in 18 matches. So a lot of them are sub-appearances, but, you know, it's... I always said when he was playing for Arsenal, he never looked like a guy who was ruthless and that would take the chances mm-hmm. when they came to him. Sometimes he did, like the game against Liverpool that we beat Liverpool at Arsenal. And I think that was in, was that the end of last season? I think that happened. Yeah. Um, or the season before last? Before I think it was that, the season before last because yeah. it was when Liverpool won the league, wasn't it? Um, so, look, we, he's a player that hopefully will get us a decent fee. I think that's the way that we have to look at it. I don't think he's going to get into the team. I just don't think he's at the level. When you look at the level of Saka, the level of Smith-Rowe, the level of Martinelli, he's just not emulating that type of performance. So I don't think you're going to see him get back in. Um, Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Uh, Really appreciate your time as always. Bailey, thank you so much, mate, as per. As per, thank you, TC. Thank you, guys, in the comments section too. Yeah, do drop a like on the video. We'll be back on Monday with the next show, of course. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be bringing you plenty of content, including Mikel Arteta's press conference ahead of the game against Watford. There'll be... Are we doing a predictor? We might be doing a predictor for the team, uh, possibly tomorrow as well. And there'll be a match reaction show, which I'll be on uh, with Chris, I think, on Sunday. So myself and Chris will be around for the match reaction show then. You can check out mine and Chris's uh, player ratings for the players so far this season, which came out yesterday and the day before that. Myself and Josh Williams did a show looking at the possible midfield targets we could sign to fulfil the Granite Xhaka role in the summer. Uh, and fingers crossed, uh, a six-a-side video will be out for you at some point in the next 48 hours, I imagine. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled to the channel. For that, absolute pleasure to speak to you guys. Drop a like on the video if you've enjoyed it, and even if you haven't, and if you're new, subscribe too. But most importantly, keep following us down the Arsenal way.